Dan asked me to do something on the heroes of the faith. And um, can you turn with me to the book of Haggai? Now, if you have problem finding that book, go to the last book in the Old Testament, which is Malachi. Work your way backwards, and you'll come to Zechariah. And then you'll come across this character by the name of Haggai. And I, it's, it's not a long chapter. I just want to, to read to you the first chapter. Haggai chapter 1. Have you found it on, on your Bible or in, in your phone? I used to be preaching sometimes, and people were, I was reading the scriptures, and they were looking at the phone, and I said, what a rude lot. And you know what they were doing? They were reading the Bible on, on the phone. I'm not, I'm, when it comes to IT, I'm not very good, and so I'm learning as I, as I go along. Haggai chapter 1. A short chapter. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadad, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people, referring to the remnant who had come back to Jerusalem, say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panel houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. I, I love the way this is uh, described to us. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. That's what I want us to do this morning. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build a house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Bit of selfishness there. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crop. I call for a drought on the fields and the mountains on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces on men and cattle and on the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of their prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to, uh, of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. God's blessing be upon 
um, his word. If you ever go to um, Berlin, there is uh, an art gallery there with an unfinished painting. And uh, it was done by a man by the name of Adolf Menzel. And he was trying to paint a picture of, of Frederick the Great. But rather than starting with Frederick the Great, he began to paint in the background and some generals that he was having a discussion with. And he was going to leave the king right to the very last. Unfortunately, something happened. He didn't complete it because he died. And so there was a, 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 a painting with background, the generals, but there was no picture of the king. Now, I believe, whether you believe it or not, our, our lives are painting the picture, aren't they? And it's got to be a picture where Jesus is not absent, but rather he takes priority. In other words, he's right at the very center of our lives. I'll, I'll underline this. If, if I want you to take away anything this morning, it is this. Jesus must be at the center of our lives. He needs to have the, the priority. And really, that's what I'm talking about. If I was to give my message a title, I think I would call it very simply, First Things First. Priority. And when God is a priority in our lives, it, it, it manifests itself in, in a number of ways. It, it reveals itself in how we use our time. Do we take time out in our lives for the Bible? That's important. That's got to be priority. For the church, gathering here, meeting with God's people, it's got to be a, a priority for, for, for prayer. Because the Christian life, to sum it up, means this. It means to, to know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And we get to know this one true God through his word and through prayer and through meeting with his people. So it reveals itself in how we use our time, but also in how we use our money. I've been coming to the church here, I think it's three years this Christmas, and one of the most unusual things I found about the church when I first came here was this, there was no offering. Because I, I've been used to be in churches where you used to have a five or ten minute sermon before the offering to encourage the people to give. But there was no offering plate, no offering bag. Now that doesn't mean that the leadership of this church don't believe that money is not important because it is important. Guess what? You could not function without money. The church needs money. But if you want to see how much God is a priority in the lives of some Christian, look at their bank statement. Many years ago, I was at an Assemblies of God conference, uh, and there was, there was a, an Elam minister who came to speak, and he told the story about his son, and he was trying to impress upon his son the uh, importance of making God a priority when it comes to his money. And he said to his son, wow, he said to his son, God loves a cheerful giver. 
God loves a cheerful cure. So we put his son to the test one morning. He gave him a one-pound note, when we used to have one-pound notes, and a five-pound note. He says, now, when they, t- they take up the offering, I want you to remember that God likes a, a, a cheerful cure. I, I want you to put into the offering either the five-pound note or the one-pound note. And he says, right, Dad. So the offering came, and he was kind of looking down at his son just to see what he was going to do. And he noticed that his son put in the one-pound note. And afterwards, he, he talked to his son. He said, son, I, I noticed that you, know, you put the one-pound note in rather than the five-pound. Now, do you remember what I said to you? He said, yeah, Dad, yeah. You said, you said God likes a, a cheerful giver. And I just feel a lot more cheerful putting that one-pound in <laughs> than putting that five-pounds in. <laughs> Priority. It shows itself in how we use our time, how we use our money, how we use our our gifts. Now, let's come to the book of Haggai. How many have read the book of Haggai? One or two? Yeah, okay. It's a great book. It's a great... In fact, all of this book is great. Uh, if you, if you uh, come along to the Truth Project, you know you'll you'll see some wonderful things. You see, once again, and Daniel got a great teacher. It's a fantastic book. The Book of Haggai. He, he's known as one of the post-exile prophets. In other words, he exercised his ministry uh, after the people uh, came back from Babylonian captivity. But but Haggai, he preached four messages. Don't worry, I'm only going to preach one this morning. Four messages. And the first message was all about priorities. He said, you people need to get your priorities right. They came back from Persia. They began to uh, lay the foundations of the, of, of the temple. Uh, and for some reason, all of a sudden, it came to a, st- a standstill. And nothing was happening on site for 18 years. Imagine working at a building site. And all of a sudden, it comes to a close. Nothing happens for 18 years. And Haggai comes on the scene and he says, come on, we need to get our priorities right. The the, the house of God cannot be on the periphery of things. It has to be central to, to our lives. And so he came up and he preached a storm. Come on, you people. Get your priorities right. Put first things first. I don't know if there's any... Liverpool supporters here this morning, I know that Dan, he's a staunch one. Any, any other ones? Could you just uh, escort this man from the building, please? Uh, you, you know what? And I, I read about Bill Shankly. I, I watched a documentary recently about Bill Shankly. I mean, what a guy he was. And he made the statement, some people think that, that football is a matter of life or death. But I want to tell you, it's much more serious than that. <laughs> some people think that the church is just a... Oh, give or take. I want to say it's much more serious than that. It's much more serious than that. The equivalent for us today, think about about what it meant for the people in Haggai's time. Come on, get involved in that building. The equivalent for us today is getting involved with God and Jesus and the things that really matter. Because at the end of the day, nothing is more important than us and our relationship with God. Priority. Just a few things, quickly. How do, how do we make God first in our lives? What, what does 
making God first in our lives look like? Well, first of all, I would say this. It, it means getting on with it now. Notice that verse of scripture. Bit awkward putting your glasses on and holding this thing at the same time. Did you notice? And I've just broke my glasses. Can you believe that? Half of my pain is gone. You're only going to get a half a sermon this morning, maybe. Oh dear, that's made a difference. Look, notice what it says here. This is what the Lord Almighty say. These people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. That has never happened to me before in all my years of preaching. That is a first. Never mind, there's a first for everything, isn't there? Yeah. Now is the time. Putting God first means now is the time to get on with it. These people were saying, oh, it's not the time yet. No, it's not the right time. We don't have to worry about God's house. You know, we, we've, got, we've got other issues, you know. And you know what? God was beginning to get a little bit agitated with their procrastination. He, he was a bit annoyed about their dilly-dallying. In fact, it's very interesting. He was so annoyed with these people that he didn't refer to them as my people, but he said, these people, <laughs> these people are... are and, and you know what? There was obviously a number of reasons as to why they were thinking that now is not the time to build the house. Uh, there was neighboring nations that were causing disruption. There was maybe the economy wasn't what it should have been. Some Bible scholars believe that these people, this remnant that, that came back to build the house, were, were waiting for some uh, prophetic word from God so that they would carry on building the house. But God says, these people are saying now is not the time. Friends, I want to tell you, now is the time. You ask me, when, when is the time for us to get serious with God? I would say now is the time. Most Christians probably know that they need to give God a little bit more than what they are giving. But we, like these people, we've got our excuses. Well, you know, I'm doing my exams at the moment. You know, I've got a business to run. I have just got too much on my plate. I just cannot do it. A number of years ago, I, I, I went to Malta. And it's amazing how many churches are called St. Paul's, by the way. <laughs> well... Because Paul was shipwrecked there, wasn't he? Um, incidentally, when I was in uh, Malta, I saw a place. How many, how many remember the movie Gladiator? Are you entertained? You know, remember, you know, Gladiator, a great movie. But when I was with my, my host, they said, oh, that, remember, remember that place in Gladiator where he breaks out of jail and that guy got hung on the tree? He's just down there. Oh, yeah, I can see that. That's a little bit of useless information for you. It's got nothing to do with what I'm talking about, right? But, but one evening we were walking down the streets of uh, Valletta, the capital of Malta, and on both sides of the street, there was banners of world-famous politicians. They were all there. 
John F. Kennedy, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, they were all there. And there was also a, a picture of Mikhail Gorbachev. Remember him? Significant politician in Russia, I suppose, really. And underneath, there was this statement that he made. It's very simply this. Uh, if not us, who? If not now, when? My encouragement to you this morning is this. If not now, then when? Now is the time to be getting serious about God, getting our priorities right. Procrastination, it is my sin. It's brought me naught but sorrow. I know that I should change. In fact, I will tomorrow. <laughs> Come on. What does putting God first look like? It, it means getting on with it now. Here's another thing it means. It also means uh, dying, dying to what we want. Dying to what we want. You know, bottom line, these people, the, the reason why they were not giving God possibly the priority that he should have was because <clears throat> they had their own affairs to, to look into. They, they were living and concentrating on their homes and, and, and on their houses. Oh, it's a bit strange just having one patient. <laughs> Notice what it says there. It says, give careful thoughts to your ways. Go up into the mountain. Actually, they were, they were living in quite nice homes and panel homes. And probably they were getting the wood from uh, uh, Lebanon, etc. Uh, they really were taking up. Uh, with, with what they wanted to do for themselves. Uh, is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panel houses while this house uh, remains a, a, a ruin? They, they were just taken up with their own affairs. Uh, it, by the way, I'll just throw this in passing. There's nothing wrong in living in a nice house. Living in a beautiful house is not incompatible with putting God first. So there's nothing wrong with that. What is wrong when our nice houses and other things take precedence over, over God? That's when it becomes wrong. And bottom line, these people were just a, a little bit selfish. And when you put God first, it means you've got to die to what you want. I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Within Jim McGlade, there is still a degree of selfishness. Can anybody else identify with that? Am I the only selfish person in this room today? <laughs> I see those hands. It's very encouraging to see those hands. Yeah, we battle with it, don't we? Incidentally, I, you know what I believe? I, I believe that every time I do something generous, I'm sending an, a, a message to my old selfish nature saying, I'm finished with you. So when I do something that is generous, if, I, if I, I'm prepared to pay for the meal or, or maybe help somebody out, I, I'm, 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 sending a, I'm just sending a message to my old nature that I, you're, you're, I'm finished with that kind of life. Let me just, let me just try to illustrate this. I don't mind 
if people laugh at my shortcomings, um, uh, people have been doing that for years, and so it's no big issue with me. But I remember once, when I, when I lived in a place called Bulkington, which is just outside of um, uh, Coventry, um, I was with my wife, Vivian, and Vivian used to do everything for me. That, that's why I'm not too IT savvy, because she, she was just into all of that. And now I find myself in a situation where I've got to pick up the reins, as it were, and try to do it my, myself. But, but Vivian would type all my messages out. Uh, she even, uh, I think, had a part to play in this one here. Uh, but, um, and, and you wouldn't believe this, but the message was on the theme of selfishness, right? And she was just concluding, we were just concluding the message, and I said, well, Vivian, you, you, you finish that off, and I'll make us a sandwich, because... That's the kind of person I am. Like, you know, so I, I went to make a sandwich, and, and then I rummaged around for some crisps. And there was a bag of uh, plain crisps, and there's a, a bag of salt and vinegar. Now, I only like salt and vinegar crisps, uh, well, at that time anyways. And Vivian only liked salt and vinegar crisps. And here we are getting a message on selfishness. And all I just find him, I'm battling with my selfishness here. I want the salt and vinegar crisp. And Vivian wanted the salt and vinegar crisp as well. I said, well, what are we going to do here? This is a major crisis, you know. So what we did was we opened both packets and we put it into a bowl and we mixed them up. But even after I did that, I was still trying to find out where the <laughs> salt and vinegar was. You know, I licked it and put it back. No, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I wouldn't do anything as disgusting as that. <laughs> but you know, I was battling with my selfishness. And selfishness is something we all deal with. Here, let me just read to you two verses of Scripture. Matthew 16, 24. This is repeated in all the first three Gospels. It's sent up. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Listen to the words also of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.15. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again. Wow. Beautiful words, aren't they? We must die to what we want so that we will live for what he wants. Incidentally, just thinking about it this morning, when we, when we take the bread and when we take the wine, which is always significant, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me, I was a priority to God. Does that do that for you as well? I was a priority to God. What sh should be my response to that? Well, God should become a priority to me. And because God wasn't a priority to these people, well, they were experiencing drought and things weren't really... Dear me, look at that. It's really broke. <laughs> any, any opticians here this morning? Anybody work for Specsavers or anything like that? No? Dear me, what am I going to do? Where was, what was I talking about there? Yeah, priorities. 
Yeah, because God wasn't central to their lives, things weren't just going quite right for them. You know what? I, I, I believe when God is not central in, in our lives, we're never going to experience the blessing that God wants to give us. But when God becomes the core of our lives, then we can reap the benefits of that. So what does putting God first mean? It means this, getting on with it now. Don't say, well, you know, a more appropriate, no, now's the time. What does God, what does putting God first mean? It means that I, I die to what I want so that I can live for what he wants. And then also, in conclusion, putting God first means that we, that we obey the word of God. You know, I just, I, just, I just love this. Maybe if I read this from a distance, it might, might help. <laughs> it says this, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua. And, and it says this, and, and the message, the Lord's message that God gave to Haggai, he gave him this, and he said, and they obeyed. They obey the word of God. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things will be added unto you. They obeyed it. Now, you've, you've heard God's word this morning. You read it and you hear it preach. It's up to us to, to obey it. And no sooner did they obey it than God says, I'm going to be with you. If you really this day say, God is going to become priority in my life. If you have that determination, no sooner do you say that and God says, right, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to support you. I do like the story. I, li I like stories about preachers for some reason. I, I don't know. But I like the story about um, uh, a deer hunter who took a, a bank manager and a preacher with him uh, to go and Sorry, I hope there's no animal rights people here this morning, but they're, they're going out to shoot a deer, obviously. And they all had their guns, and they were, they were out in the heart of the, the, the wilderness, and they, they see this deer in the, in, 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 in the distance, and they both raise the rifles, and they both discharge exactly at the same time, and the deer goes down. The deer hunter says, stay here, let me just check this out. So he goes and checks the deer out, and then eventually he calls the preacher over, and he calls the bank manager over, and they're all saying, well, who? What shot brought the deer down? And the deer hunter said, well, I'm pretty certain it was you, the preacher. He said, what makes you think that? Well, if you look at that deer, you'll notice that the bullet went in one ear, and it went right out the other ear. <laughs> Sometimes... Sometimes when we're preaching, we think that's happened as well. Goes in one ear, goes out the other. Doesn't make any impact, doesn't change our lives. Oh, would to God when the word of God was preached that it, wow, did have an impact upon people to such a degree that they do something about it. I'm almost finished. Let me, um, I've got a... I've got a couple of quotes here uh, by the man called um, John Blanchard. He said this, it's, it's perhaps, it is perhaps the greatest sin of the greatest number of Christians that in so many details of life, they put God second. 
Here's another one, C.S. Lewis, a genius. M most people don't, he was, a, he, was, he was an Irishman. That's probably why he was genius, all right? Not many people know that about the Irish, do they? Yeah, yeah, Colin, we, we're, we, most of us are bordering on genius, you know. <laughs> Sorry, I mustn't go on about this, should I, really? No, us Irish, we know how to laugh ourselves, don't we? You can tell me a, an Irish joke and I won't think you're racist, honestly. But C.S. Lewis, he said this, the only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. I agree with that. The only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. It is fundamentally important. So here we have this, this man referred to as a minor prophet, the Haggai, who comes and he challenges a, a remnant of people who had come back. It wasn't that they were bad people because they made the journey from Persia back to Jerusalem. It wasn't that they were a, a bad people. It was just that they had lost focus. And I believe it's so easy, even in, in church life, that we, we just lose focus a little bit and we drift away from what should be priority in our lives, and that is that God is really, really fundamentally important to us. And so this morning, as we, we celebrate communion, as we remember that we were a priority to God because Jesus died for us, May this day he become a greater priority to us. It was, it was notable that it says, on this day they began to build. This could be, whatever day this is, the 4th or 5th of August, this day, 4th or 5th of August, whatever it might be, was a significant day when you began to get your priorities right again. And you says, I'm going to build the house of God.